0: This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Glory to God. How many are ready to get some winning into your thinking? More winning and win the battlefield of the mind. You know, I, was, uh, I told you this morning we talked about how to win the battle in your mind. And I was thinking, as we were worshiping God, I wrote down something. I know the newer translations kind of changed some things from King James. And as I was praying about where we're going to be looking at tonight, the Word of God, I was thinking, well, I know the newer translation that I see, what they talk about, they're right. But how do we know that the Bible has different meanings for different things we're looking at? And anyway, the newer translations, in a minute we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. The newer translation into this is changing other people's way of thinking by trying to persuade them with spiritual truth of the Bible. And how many know that to be able to help people, you do have to change your thinking. But as, the, as I know, the, the, the way I've always taught this verse, I've always heard it taught, I know it's right too, so we're going to look at it in just a minute. But the main battle, as we look at this verse, the main battle you must win to help other people is the battle in your own mind. You've got to be able to persuade yourself from the Word of God how to stand on truth. And the battlefield, your mind, is a lifelong battle. And we're going to see some things in the Word of God tonight that maybe you've seen them, maybe you haven't. If you have seen them, that's great because I have to feed on them all the time because I get hit in my mind all the time, just like you do. And the reason the battlefield's is strong, of your mind. Listen, I'm going to say, because most of you in enough, you know spiritual truth. How many know you'll have what you say? Well, then also, Pastor Dave did teach for this morning from Matthew chapter 12. What you say comes to the abundance of what you think. Because what you think about is what you're going to talk about. And Jesus said you'll have what you say. And so that's why Satan is after your mind more than anything. He wants your mind because if he can control your mind, what comes out of your mouth, he controls your life. That's why there's such a battlefield in the mind. You know, the things that we know, the things that we see. We hear truth, we see truth from the Word of God. But then, just like the battle I went through last year over cancer and things. By the way, back to the doctor last week for a check I've had, had, had for a while. And, uh, you know, they quit treatment in the middle of last summer. And so there's still a few things and my body had to straighten up. She tells me this time, normal, normal, normal. About one, eight minutes. And then there's there's one more thing. And she's, she made me an appointment in, what, three months? As she said, would you come back? I expect that. She's on my side now. She said, I expect that to be normal, too. Would you come back? But anyway, you know, it confessed the victory all this time. I have to stay on top of the Word of God because when I went through what I went through, when I, like I, I told everybody at the start of that, the Word of God was my number one line of offense and defense. It wasn't medical science. And so medical science did their part and quit last July. And so God finished what they did, but the battle was in my mind all the time. I had to keep on casting down thoughts and imaginations and dumb things. And so in our life, in every area of life, your life as long as you live on this planet, your mind's a target of the devil. Amen. Amen. And so we might as well do what Romans 12 says, be not conformed to this world, be transformed by the root of our mind. You've got to keep on changing your way of thinking continually. And then we're in a spiritual warfare, which we'll look at. But I want to show you some things out of the bookstore this here is a, a big Bible called Battlefield of the Mind by Joyce Myers. How many have heard of Joyce Myers? Amen. How many know if you've ever heard that woman preach or teach or talk about her life? At one point in time, she was not very emotional stable. She is a very messed up person. And so anyway, this book here has lots of her commentary and teaches in it with the Bible. It's the Bible, but she has lots of her commentary in here specifically on helping people with their minds and emotional battles. And so this is the only copy we got back there, so if you want it, you'll have to talk to Melinda. And uh, that's the one copy, and we have that. But then some books that I'm, I'm really familiar with that I've used pretty much all my Christian life. This one's a Brother Hagen book. And it seemed like I read years ago, this was the first book that he ever printed back in the 60s called Right and Wrong Thinking. And I want to say it again. If your thinking's right, you're speaking to be right. If you're talking right, then you receive from God will be right. If your thinking's wrong, then you'll be talking wrong. If you talk wrong, then like Proverbs eighteen twenty one says, Death and life are the power of the tongue, and they that love us eat the fruit thereof. So you've got to change your way of thinking. That's a nice little simple book that teaches along those lines. And this here is Faith Food, Brother Hagin's devotional. Faith Food for Winter. We've got these these little books back there for all the seasons of the year. And what they are for every, for every day of the month for that particular season we're in, they have a nice little teaching that really in the morning time, I've used these for years. I got Brother Hagan's, Brother Copeland's devotional too. But I like this because every morning I get a, I get a faith lesson that just lasts just a very, very short, less than five minutes. You read the verse, you read the things. And most of the time the Holy Spirit's right on my life and what I read there, it helps me for where I'm at. So these books are things to help your thinking. How many of you want this to be the best year you and your family's ever had? Amen. Well, the battlefield's in your mind and we want to look at how to, how to overcome things to be able to control what's in your thinking. I want you to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 3. And I was so grateful. Matter of fact, how I many you know I'm in my birthday month? I'll be 40 years old, uh, January. What day? 29th. Close, close, close. On oh, the 28th, I was getting real close. Uh, amen. Somebody listened to my preaching and my testimony. On January the 29th, 1980, I became a new creature in Christ, according to 2 Corinthians 5:17 said, old things passed away, all things begun. The old Bernie officially was buried on January 29th, 1980. i I've coming up into my 40th anniversary. I thought about that. I remember Lester Summerall was one of my Bible school teachers and a man we got to be around uh, pretty frequently in Indiana. And I remember when he was teaching one time about the Bible talks about this generation. Well, he said a Bible generation is 40 years. So I'm thinking, wow, I've been a Christian for a whole generation now, for 40 years I've been a Christian. And I want to tell you uh, something Dr. Barclay said that's always stuck with me. You've got to remember this. You, you, need to, you need to be recognizing that your worst day as a Christian is far better than your best day as a sinner. And, you know, I think about that sometimes. I've been through some things since I've been a Christian. But I realize that when I was a sinner, my best day has nothing compared to my worst day as a believer. Because, you know, one thing you think about being a Christian we believe for a long life, strong life, healthy life. But the thing is, if you're a sinner and you got millions of dollars, everything you want in the natural arena, you've got excellent health and you die, you go to hell. And you don't get out. That's why it's called eternal damnation. If you're a Christian, you're being attacked in your body, your finances and stuff, nothing's working, you're born again, You die. Man, you're in the presence of God. You're walking on streets of gold. you got in mansions with the angels of God, been with your loved ones like that. And so don't let the devil get you down and threaten you with fear of the future about anything. You know, I think about uh, what, what uh, Nehemiah said. He said, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Christians must learn to laugh more. I I learned that back in the 80s. Back in the late 80s, the Lord started using Brother Hagin at what he called Holy Ghost meetings, and they turned into a lot of laughter meetings. But then Brother Hagin taught what Jesus told him. He said that sometimes he has to take, God has to take things to the extreme to get our attention. There was a prosperity movement happened back, back in the 70s, 80s. That prosperity movement said Christians have been taught so long they have to be poor that God had his people emphasize it to the extreme to get their attention. God doesn't want you broke. And then it's like a pendulum swing. Then it comes back to the middle, down the bounce, down the road, to where you're not putting money ahead of everything, but you recognize God don't want you broke. But at the same time, He doesn't want money to control you either. He wants you to have abundance more than enough. That's the same thing with the, with, with the laughter thing that came in. God wanted Christians to know they could have fun, they could laugh, and they got strength out of having joy. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. And so Christians need to quit being so sorry, pussy. Hey, man, we're not supposed to be a bunch of sour pusses. How are you ever going to share the goodness of God with somebody if you never smile? Hey, man, if you never have a testimony where you're excited about your testimony, amen? And so anyway, we as Christians, if the devil's trying to paint a bleak picture of you about your life right now, about your family, about money or anything else, I just start laughing at him. Just start laughing and just go, ha, ha, ha. Sometimes you have to laugh by faith. I'm getting to this lesson here. This is good. But how many ever read what Peter said in his epistle? He said, joy unspeakable and full of glory. Joy unspeakable. What is joy unspeakable? That's when this joy starts coming out of your heart. And you get so excited that you just keep laughing and you can't talk. You can't speak your excitement, but you can laugh it out. And I'll tell you what I found out over the years. When times of depression and gloom try to hit you, if you start laughing... Anointing will come on you. And then you're laughing. And then all of a sudden, you're not laughing by faith. You're laughing for real. Because you recognize that greater is in me than it is in the world. I'm more than a conqueror. Hallelujah. Overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the word of my testimony. What have I got to fear? God didn't give me the spirit of fear. And this catches on to you. We're talking about some things to help your soulical man to be able to do what God wants you to do. And finish your race with joy. And so Second Corinthians chapter 10 Verse 3, I'm in King James. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. To the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations at every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Well, the knowledge of God is the word of God. Casting down imagination at every high thing that exalts itself against the word of God. And bringing into captivity every thought. Bringing into captivity every thought. It's supposed to control your mind. Bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, to the obedience of the Word of God. And so verse three, the weapons, uh, we walk in the flesh, don't walk after the flesh. We're spirit beings. How many recognize that number one, your body's not the real you. That's your earth suit. We're spirit beings. We possess a soul, our mind, will, and emotions, and we live in a physical body while we're on the earth. When we leave the earth, we're not going to live in a physical body, but we're still going to live. Amen. And when we get to heaven, because I believe we're all born together, we're going to go to heaven, we're not going to have a battle in our mind anymore because there'll be nothing up there to attack our mind. Our soul will be intact, but our soul will be totally healthy because there'll be no battle going on. Hey, man, the battles are on this side. So he says, though we walk in the flesh, though we live in an earth suit, said our battles are not according to our sense knowledge, not according to our senses, not according to our emotions. And so we have an enemy in the spiritual arena that we can't see with our physical eyes. It's Satan and his demons. You can't see him. And this battle is going on. You can't see him. But to me, I know that... uh, Beelzebub, when you look at what Jesus talked about, Beelzebub, being the tormentor. Beelzebub, when you look at it in the Greek means Lord of the Flies. And I think about that, I thought about, uh, you know, I, I know, I, where I study my Bible at the morning time is by a window. I look out and use this big old wow, the tree out there. I see the horse corral, I look out, see the lake out there and see all kinds of stuff going on. But the sun comes to that window where I said that really good. For some reason flies like to come and hang around that window. And I'll I'll be sitting in my chair and a goofy fly will come starting to buzz my head and buzz my Bible. Mrs. Pastor got me a fly swatter I keep there with now. But I think about that. I think about Beelzebub, the Lord of the Flies. He buzzes your mind. He throws little stupid thoughts at you and tries to make you think it's your thought. You know, when you, how many she wasn't Michael talked at the men's meeting yesterday about when he first got saved, started reading the Bible at night time, said he read one verse and he was snoring. Said he was out after one verse. How many know that when you start to read your Bible, all of a sudden, a hundred things hit your mind you could be doing? You know, I look at all the ladies out here, and I know how ladies being the homemaker stuff like that, of sudden you think, well, I can fold the sheets now. Now well, could you fold the sheets before you start reading the Bible? Won't they still be there after you read the Bible? Well, I could go do this, and I could straighten up that cupboard now. Well, could you straighten up that cupboard before or after? How come those thoughts, see, thoughts aren't always evil thoughts. There's things come your way to distract you. For spiritual things where your strength cometh from. There's so many things in life. You know, I think about me. All the stuff I have to work on my property. Things I get to do out there. All of a sudden, I'm sitting there. And I think about something somewhere I could do out there. But I more and more walk in spiritual discipline and say, no, that will be there. It was there I sit down here. It will be there when I get done here. And when I get done here, I've got an anointing to do it better. That's right. And so that's what I'm telling you. With our minds, <clears throat> all these little thoughts that come to our minds all the time, they are God. You know, we have God thoughts. But we've got to start recognizing and controlling and disciplining our minds to be able to do what we really want to do, what we need to do, and our life will change so much better. And, you know, of course, uh, mainly what we're talking about now, though, is the different things that are contrary to God's Word that cause us to lose in life. But he says that the weapons of warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. I like to say it this way, mighty through God's Word. Mighty through God's Word to the folding ground of strongholds. And so we're no match For the devil and his demons, if we rely on physical things only. Amen. We're no match if we rely on physical things only. You can't defeat Satan's attacks on your mind with hatred, complaining, cussing about his attacks on your life and on your family. Tell you what, Satan loves it when Christians get so stupid that all they want to do is get mad. And lose their temper. And blow up about what's going on. That's just where he wants you, because if you're doing that, you're not thinking about who you are in Christ, the authority you have in the name of Jesus to bind that from happening. You know, he'll 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 attack things in your family, people you love, and you get mad, and some Christians turn to cussing. Man, running around kicking dirt and just doing dumb things like that. Well, that's in the flesh only, and the flesh only does nothing to stop those thoughts. Does nothing to stop those attacks on your family. You get in the flesh. And I'm talking about Christians that want to know about real spiritual warfare, how it works. Well, there's no better place to learn than the Bible, how spiritual warfare works. And so he says, our, 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 our battle is not in the physical arena. Our battle's in the mental arena, in the spiritual arena. That's where the battle comes from. And so we're no match, but at the same time, he's no match for the word of God coming out of our mouth. He's no match for the name of Jesus That's why he has all these attacks on our minds, so we'll forget what we're supposed to do in spiritual warfare. Well, we'll forget the name of Jesus, the name above all names. Well, we'll forget that what we bind on earth is bound in heaven. What we loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Well, we'll forget we go pray to the Spirit. We're praying perfect prayers of intercession. Amen? That's our that's our prayer life. It's a direct line between us and God. And so then, verse 5 then, where he says, Casting down imaginations... And every high thing exalts itself against the knowledge of God to break into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. He hits your mind and emotional realm, so you lose awareness of what's really going on. And you know, when I, when I look at that, I think about magicians. Has anybody ever seen the Las Vegas magicians and all the different people, you know, that do the things they do? Have you ever stopped and wondered how come they got the pretty lady up there, two or three of them, in the bathing suits or whatever they wear like that. And they're out there doing things because most of the guys, for sure, they're not watching him. And even all the glitter up there on the girls and stuff like that, most women, they are not. They take the focus off that over the hair. Because the magician wants to trick you and not see him what he's really doing. If you're not seeing what he's really doing, the master of disguise, then he can do what he does. And you'll think he did something he didn't do because you're deceived. That's what Satan does with this mind arena. He gets you focused on what's not really happening to make you think something's really happening. And then all he's looking for is get permission into your mind so he can get to your tongue. So you can speak it out. He's the master of Deception. And so you must discipline yourself to take authority over your own mind and your emotions. And reject every thought that's contrary to God's word. You must knit them in the bud before they begin to grow and become a stronghold. I want you to notice the, the progression here. Verse This is backwards the way it's listed here, but look at this. In verse 5, it says, casting down imaginations... Breaking captivity, every thought, and so things that begin to work in your life. The progression is thoughts come. If you don't nip the thoughts in the bud, then they become an imagination. Look at the first part of imagination: image. What's an image? It's a picture. You get a pain in your body. Something begins to happen, and the first thing you thought, you get that image in your mind. You begin to think about. Especially these times we live in. I'm so grateful for DVR. I don't see these old people commercials. About all this medicine. About what you got to take. Because majority of people got this. Majority, people, If you're over 60, you're going to get this. If you're over 50, you're going expect this. If I'm over 100, I expect by his stripes I was healed. What I expect, I have an image in my mind of Jesus taking stripes on his back. I have an image in my mind, from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, Pastor Dave wasn't there, but 8, verse 9 says, says, says that he was made poor so I could be rich in this natural world. Have an abundance. And so these images, you begin to think about it. You have one bad month in your finances. You miss a paycheck or something happens. You don't have a paycheck or you got a, a, a big bill. Then here comes the thoughts. Well, probably going to lose this. Probably going to shut that off. Probably going to take this. We're going to have to change our way of living. Well, we was planned on this this year. Won't happen this year. Well, that thought hit your mind to make an image of going broke in your mind. And those thoughts hit so you'd open your mouth. Begin to speak out. Oh, going to be a bad year. Why is it going to be a bad year? Because you had one bad pay week. Because you had one big bill hit. Because something happened and those thoughts come. And if you don't combat those thoughts according to the Word of God... Then they become an image, and then and then you notice the last thing. Then it becomes a stronghold. The progression is thought to image to stronghold, and a stronghold means just what it says: a strong hold on your mind to get a strong hold on your life. The devil wants to get a strong hold on your mind, a strong hold on your life. And as I was looking at this this morning, putting this together. I was thinking, wow, that's where suicide comes from. That's where serious deep depression comes from. Satan gets a strong hold on people's minds to make things look hopeless. But spiritual truth is spiritual truth. And it tells us it starts with a thought. He says the first thing you got to do is break into captivity every thought. you got to capture those thoughts and say, no, in the name of Jesus, I don't receive that. That's not from God. That's not like the Word of God. You take care of the thoughts. Because if you don't, and you begin to dwell on them, see, fear cometh the same way that faith cometh. Faith cometh by hearing the Word of God. Fear cometh by hearing the Word of the devil. And as you begin to meditate the Word of God, faith begins to build up in your heart. Faith begins to get into your thinking, and you begin to think, I'm more than a conqueror. Amen. I've got authority over the enemy. Amen. I can have what I say in the name of Jesus. But then when fear comes, all of a sudden, you're like, you're like, uh, Numbers chapter 12, when the spies spied out the land, they said, we were as grasshoppers in our own sight compared to them. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, you're not what David was, with David and Goliath, you know, I always think about David and Goliath, all the army of Israel, they shrunk and they talked about how big the giant was. David come out, he saw the big giant, he looked beyond him and saw the big God. He said, yeah, that giant's big, but God's bigger. And so in our lives, we always remember that faith doesn't deny things. Faith changes things. Yeah, cancer is bad. But guess what? Jesus already destroyed cancer. I'm going to watch Jesus. Yeah, poverty and bankruptcy is terrible. But guess what? I'm a tither. Jesus the Lord of my tithe. He rebukes the devourer for me. And then, you know, I think about as we begin to change our way of thinking, I was telling the men yesterday, thinking about Lazarus. You know, people think they got hopeless situations. Well, Lazarus was dead. And his own sister said, he's so dead, he stinketh. Because he'd been dead and buried three days. And Jesus said, I have the resurrection. And so I've always looked at that and helping people in my church over the years. That when they're in a bad, bad situation, it looks like it's dead. And they say, this stinks. I say, good, Jesus is the resurrection. He can raise it back up then. Yeah. Amen. You get to stinketh phase. That's when Jesus does miracles. But the whole thing is you can't have stinking thinking. You gotta change your way of thinking if you're gonna receive miracles from Jesus. You've got to change your way of talking. It starts with the thinking. That's so why he says, right here it starts with the thoughts. And if you don't deal with it the thought arena, then it gets into the imagination arena. Then you start having imaginations of how bad it's gonna be, how terrible it's gonna be. Has anybody ever had I know back when I used to be in the in the workforce truck driver, sometimes the boss would let me know on Friday, I need to see him in office on Monday. Why do they always do that on Friday night when you're getting off? Why well, you have to wait three days before you get to see him? But anyways, anybody ever had a situation where you know that there's something coming and you didn't know if it was bad or if it was good or what was going to go on? And so then you spend the whole weekend thinking all the different things you might have done that maybe was wrong. Well, you know, I trained myself as a believer years ago not to think that along that lines. i begin to think. About how I was doing my best in the eyes of God, how He gave me favor with my boss, He gave me favor with men. I began to think, man, He don't have anything bad for me. Just, he wants to bless me and say something good to me. And when I began to change my way of thinking and believing, 99% of the time, when somebody wanted to call me into the office, it was good. And then the times when I knew I had blown it, when it could have been bad, because I knew the Word of God that I had favor, and it got turned around for good. And so what, I'm talking about how this thing works. You get hit in your head, and, if you listen to those things of the flesh and of the demonic arena, then all you think is bad, 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 worse, 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 negative, negative, negative. But 2 Corinthians 2.14 says, thanks be unto God who always calls us to triumph, triumph in Christ. And so we got to begin thinking victory thoughts. Amen. Amen. Do you hear what I'm saying? It starts, it starts in your mind. And so we need to begin to discipline ourselves how things work. So I want to look some more at the spiritual arena. of how this works. Go to Ephesians chapter 6. And you know, the only way to really get revelation from God, how spiritual things works, is not to read goofy books of people that don't really know how things works, but read the Bible written by God himself to tell us how things work. I want to say it again. We need to read the Bible so God can tell us how things really work. And then, you know, good faith books by people we know had the fruit of being good, strong spiritual leaders. So they can maybe help us understand some things and give us some examples of how things work. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Well, that's saying the same thing talking about. We wrestle against flesh and blood. We talk. We, our, our weapons of warfare are not carnal. We have to recognize that our strength has to come to the spiritual arena from the Lord. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles, the schemes, the strategies, the plans of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, <clears throat> against powers, against the rulers of the darkness, against this world, against spiritual weakness in high places. And so we have to know that there's a spiritual arena. There are demons in the spiritual arena, and if we try to fight them just with what we have been trained out in the natural world, you can't shoot the devil. I know that different times I was raising my kids, little kids, you know, they hear about spiritual warfare. They see something going on, they say, "Daddy, I'm going to shoot the devil." Well, it's sad to say, too many Christians that are adults think the same way because they haven't been trained. They think you can cuss the devil. Then you get mad at the devil. Do all those things you want to. But when you step into that arena, he just backs off at last. Think, I got him, I got him, I got him. They are captive because they're playing in the natural arena. As long as they stay in the natural arena, I can have a heyday of their life and their family. I'll keep on doing all I want to do because this is a bunch of carnal Christians know nothing about the spiritual arena. Says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And you know, that's why me... As much as I hate so many things that people are doing in the world today, i tell you, one of the easiest arenas arenas for Christians to get messed up is the political arena. It makes me so sad when I look at social media to see so many good Christians getting mad at politicians. Getting mad at political people. I don't like a lot of what politicians do. But I recognize that there's demon spirits influencing them to do them. And so that I know my job is to stay in the spiritual arena when I pray to bind those demons, to pray for those people's eyes to be open, to pray for the people's eyes that have elected them to be open to vote for somebody that's going to be doing right things. That's how we got to do We've got to see what's really going on. And, you know, I think about this spiritual arena, how real it is. I think about... You know, the example I've heard before, you probably had too. If a man's driving down the road, he's got his family in the car. He's going down the road 70 miles an hour on the interstate. And all of a sudden, they got the warning flags up and the lights up like that. Up ahead, bridge out, bridge out, bridge out. No man in his right mind with his family in his car would drive 70 miles an hour down the road and run through a barricade and send his family into eternity. He has to be blinded not be in his right mind. No person... In the right mind, is going to keep on voting for things and having people make laws that absolutely steal the Christian faith. Not against Christianity, against prayer in school, against what the Bible says is right marriage, against, against keeping babies alive and all those different things in life. No Christian in the right mind is going to vote for people to do those things. But when Christians have been deceived at thinking money is the answer to everything that this person says we're giving, your, your, your race more money. We're going to give your your people more money. We're going to lower your taxes and steal from other people to take care of things in life. Well, they keep hearing things like that. But at the same time, it's like the pretty girl on this side. They're showing you on this hand over here. They're saying, but we're going to kill you off because your people will kill all the babies they want to. We're going to cause you to be an abomination in God's sight because we're going to let anybody do what they want to sexually. We're going to do all these things, but we're going to give you money, going to give you money, going to give you money. Well, when Christians don't see what's really going on with the spiritual arena, that every time that Israel stuck their thumb in God's eye and mocked God, God said, I'll not be mocked. He said, Whatsoever man soweth, that shall so reap. And when we saw what happened, we see the rise and fall of Israel over all those decades of the Bible. We think about America, we think about Christianity. Christians have wrong thinking. Christians need to have their thinking changed. They don't realize. They don't realize that all these politicians, they let Lord it over them, aren't led by the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so we as believers have to look at verses like this. We wrestle against flesh and blood, against principalities. You know, Brother Hagin has a series, it's probably one book now, about the operation of demons in the earth today. And Jesus taught him these verses here about these different uh levels of demons. They're principalities are the lowest levels of demons. That's the ones that mess with everyday Christians. That's the ones that buzz around and give you problems in life. But then powers, they're, they're in rank and file like like a military. Then powers are the next level over them that tell the lower level demons what to do. Principality and powers are the rulers of the darkness of this world. That's the demons that begin to possess people. That's the ones that bring legions in. That because people become demon-possessed and really evil, horrible people that do mass bad things. And then and then the spiritual witness in high places, that's the demons over areas, over countries, over cities, over nations, that tell the ones down here what to do. And so Jesus told Brother Hagen, said you never have to be concerned about those, said I deal with those from up here. But down here on earth, we take authority over principalities and powers, the rules of darkness of this world. And, you know, I'm not to to get too deep into this, but this is the Bible. We have to know what the Bible says. The Bible lets us know that Satan has a rank and file. He has an order in what he does. We know where he's going to end up. A little no-name angels is going to put him in the Bible's pit. They're going to lock the door and throw him down there. We know that where he ends up. But in the meantime, we're on earth right now. We have to deal with things. And so because we do, we can't ignore them. But we have to know how to fight the battle according to God's Word. Amen? Amen? And so he says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Guess what that tells me? There's a wrestling match going on. And we're not talking about next kids of the high school. Amen. It says, we wrestle not with flesh and blood. And this is where these things go out of our mind. We wrestle with what to do. Have you ever heard the expression, i have just kind of wrestling in my mind what to do? Well, what you're doing... You're in a spiritual warfare there. You don't really recognize what's going on. The first thing you got to do is cast down those thoughts and imaginations. That's why it's always bothered me when Christians, and now if they're really serious word Christians, what I'm getting ready to say is okay, but if they're not really, then it bothers me. They say, well, you know what? I had a thought. And the first thing I thought was, wow, you better watch out. You better cast that thought down. Because your thought, if it's not the Word of God you're thinking, it's not like the Word of God, then your thought probably wasn't from God. Your thought was probably a carnal thought. Your, prob- your thought was probably a reasoning. and it's probably to put an image in your mind. And there's a way to man that seems right, but then there are the ways of death. And so we have to learn about these thoughts to be able to recognize, are these coming from the spiritual meaning through my spirit to my head? Or are they coming from my head trying to hit my spirit? I want to say that again. I've said some things tonight that will help Christians to win the battle of the mind. I don't want to quote so many verses that I get you dizzy with too many verses. But Romans 8:14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. And so the Spirit of God will put things in our spirit. And then they'll come floating up out of our spirit to our thinking. And we'll pick up on something from the Spirit. That's come from the inside out. But then the thoughts from the enemy come from the outside trying to get in. You recognize the difference. You see what I'm saying? When thoughts hit your head, fear thoughts, losing thoughts, bad thoughts about your husband, bad thoughts about your wife, bad thoughts about your parents. or these thoughts come, they're out there trying to get in here. That's the ones we cast down. But when you're led by the Spirit of God, they're in here. And they come up. And the way I always know... When my thinking's come from God, when I'm praying, I start getting an impression on the inside. And then when I recognize what's happened, then I begin to see the picture of my mind from my spirit what to do. Then I act on that. But when stuff hit my head, because most of the time when those thoughts of the enemy hit you about things, you kind of get hyper. You kinda get nervous. Panic tries to sit in. You start breathing fast. You start sweating. Things start happening. You start getting jury and nervous. And you start worrying about the future. Well, when it's God speaking to you, it brings peace. And God doesn't talk about bad things about the future to scare you. God talks about bad things about the future because they're there and you have to deal with them. And then that comes from your heart to your head and you know what to do to deal with them. Faith doesn't ignore things. Faith changes things. I want to say that again. Faith doesn't ignore things. Faith acknowledges, yeah, that's real. But just like Joshua and Caleb did in Numbers chapter 12, they said, yeah, they are giants of the land, all right, but our God in us is more than able, we're going to take the giants out. Amen. I'll tell you what, in the spiritual arena, that old saying is so true. The bigger they are, the harder they fall. The greater the battle, the greater the testimony. You know, I think about last, last, last couple of years when things happened in my life. All my Christian ministry life, I've used David as a testimony. He was a little kid, had leukemia, crippled, stuff like that. Well, my son Joe was in, the, was in the Marines and he was going somewhere else but he found out I got diagnosed with that. And Joe was just trying to be helpful. But when I, I was still letting my family know, you know, hey, I've been diagnosed with stage four blood cancer. I was talking to Joe. <laughs> and you know, Joe's Joe. Joe speaks it out. He just says whatever comes. He said, "Well, Dad, now you won't have to use David's testimony, boy. You'll have your own." <laughs> and this, before any treatment, anything happened. This, like the day or two, I mean, I just freshly diagnosed. Had I mean, I mean, it just hit me: stage four blood cancer, and I didn't think that was very funny. He was trying to cheer me up, but I knew he was right. Because I knew, because of what I know and how I stood the Word of God, that I was going to live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. But the thing is, man, I sure didn't want that testimony. But I got that testimony now. But the thing was, the greater the battle, the greater the testimony. You know, I think about that. I don't, I don't think of my life of anything except following Jesus. But I think about that, had that, and then when I was about to have that battle behind me, then the serious heart attack hit. Some greater testimony. But I don't want the greater testimony. <laughs> I just want to, you know what I'm saying, I don't want to go through those things, but I'm talking to you about your life. I've said that to help you. If you're facing a big thing, then guess what? You're set up for a big testimony. I want to say that again. If you're, if you're looking at some major things in your life, the greater the battle, the greater the move of God. And the greater the move of God, the greater your testimony. And you're going to be able to help people. Amen? Amen. Give the Lord a hand. <clears throat> and so anyway, in this, in this here about Hoover Rastlin uh, is against the, the principalities, etc. I want you to look over at verse 16 verse 17 about this armor of God. He tells us to take the armor of God. We're, ta- we're talking about how to, how to win the battle in your mind. And so he says in verse 16, so if to wrestle not against flesh above, but against principalities, powers, etc., etc., he said, above all, you take the shield of faith. You take the field of shape, the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And these fiery darts are the thoughts that are fired against your mind. He says, the, the shield of faith will quench the fiery darts. And how does faith cometh? Hearing what? That's where's that at? Romans ten, seventeen. And so you will not have the shield of faith to quit safari darts if you don't have the habit of hearing the word of God. And I know that when I when I was a baby Christian, I saw that about the shield of faith. What I saw, at that time my dad had been doing some body work and stuff. He was retired, but he started working on cars doing body work and stuff. And uh You know, we got those body guys. What's that stuff called? They put on those layers of fiberglass stuff. They keep putting layers on there, little screen stuff, then fiberglass to build a body back up on a car to get rid of rust. Well, they put layers on there, and each layer gets thicker and thicker to where when you paint the car, you can't tell it was ever damaged. But what I saw was this. The shield of faith comes on us in layers. The more we meditate in the Word of God, we get another layer of faith built around our life. The shield of faith. Our shield gets Thicker and thicker and stronger and stronger, the more we hear the word, confess the word, act on the word, and speak the word. It says, you take the shield of faith. And when God tells me to take something the word of God, that tells me I've got a choice. When attacks come on my mind, I can either dive into TV and watch TV all day and all night to try to drown it out. I can get into rock music or something to try to drown out the, how miserable life is. I can try all kinds of natural things. I can run all kinds of ball games. or I can do all kinds of natural things, just try to hide from the misery. Or I can say, you know what? It's, it's, t- it's time to, to lock into this thing now and get serious. Get out my brother Hagen stuff. Get out my brother Copeland stuff. Get out my faith stuff. Uh, last night, I went to sleep listening to one of my favorite lady preachers. Alright, Mom. Thanks for preaching to me last night. I, I went to hdwc.org. I thought I want to hear her preach. So I went to hdwc.org last night and heard my, heard my wife teaching the Word of God to me as I went to sleep. And so what happens when that? When you take the shield of faith, that means you're getting serious about the Word of God and you begin to get these, like these faith books we have back here and different things. Whatever it is you do, you start overdosing on the Word. You start Taking the word, taking the word, taking the word. You're taking the shield of faith. What's the purpose of says taking the shield of faith? To quench the fiery darts. Of who? The wicked one. The devil throws those darts at your mind. And you've got to quench those darts. You've got to stop those thoughts. He said, taking to captivity every thought to the obedience of the word. And then look at verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, and the sword of the Spirit, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, which is the Word of God. Your shield of faith is based upon hearing the Word of God to build your faith up. And then the sword of the Spirit is your take of the Word of God, you're speaking it out of your mouth. You begin to speak the Word out of your mouth to take the devils, to take those giants' heads off, to take those demons out. You have to swing the sword of the Spirit. Not at your husband, not at your wife, not at your boss, not at the governor, not at the Congress, not at your employer, not at whoever it is. You swing the sword of the Spirit against the demon spirits that are influencing people to try to do you harm. To try to do your family harm. Amen. Amen. Is this resonating? Are you seeing what the Word of God says? Amen. So he says, you take the sword of the spirit, you take the shield of faith, and to take it to me, you know, to me, if I got something in my hand I want to give Josh to help Josh in life, let's just say, say that Josh is having a financial problem right now, which he's, he's, he's the guru here of FPU, so he's not going to have a problem he can't handle. Amen. Josh knows how to handle that. But let's just say, say Josh, I got the answer, but I'll tell you what, God blessed me with a whole lot of extra cash. I got cash right now. Here it is, help you, Josh. Nah. I said, Josh, take the cash. And Josh ignores me because he's so consumed about the problem and he can't see what I'm trying to give him to help him. he won't take the cash. He's going to go out there and then he has all kinds of problems with people he has to pay. But the answer was right here, he had to take the cash. If he took the cash... He could have solved the problem. He was facing there. God says right here, take the shield of faith. God said, take the sword of the Spirit. But you know what that takes? That takes laying down your cell phone. Your cell phone. That takes turning off your cell phone. Or if you're going to be sitting around someplace, you know, I just... It just... Oh, boy, I tell you, I don't want sucked into that trap in modern society. I saw a place the other day. Where was I at? I can't remember where I was, man. I saw old people sitting over here like in their 70s. They had them out. I saw the middle-aged people had them out. I had the kids had them out. I, and, and I thought, man, how could they lead these kids and change the way of life if they're addicted themselves? We have a society for addicts. Amen. And you know, We need to get ourselves trained. If we're going to have it out, why not open up to some Bible stuff? Why not see some Bible verses? And when we do that, we're taking the shield of faith. We're building our faith up. I do my best on my, on my smartphone, my iPhone. I mean, I'm, man, I'm not anything at all like the people that are sharp at it. And I don't know how to use all the gadgets. All I simply do when I want to do stuff. Maybe may be primitive, but it works for me. I just take a picture of my Bible pages, and then I go to my photos, and I just look at pictures. Of that. And I do the Bible app, too. But when I know verses that really help me. When Pastor Dave teaches something, or I read a Brother Hagin thing or something, something really jumps off of me. I like to take a picture of it. If I'm sitting in the doctor's office, I want to go through my photos to see what God says. If I'm sitting there waiting for a doctor to tell me about my life, I'm going to have the shield of faith up. I've got the sword of spirit up there. That sword of spirit out. I've got say, devil in the name of Jesus. By his stripes I was healed. I've resisted you. James 4.7 said you had to flee. Psalm 91.16 says, Because I set my love upon God with long life, He's satisfying me and showing me His salvation. i take the sword out. Amen. And so God tells you, Take the shield. Take the sword. If you just, If you'd rather take Facebook then take Facebook, but uh, faith doesn't come by hearing Facebook. Uh, The devil doesn't flee at the name of FB. Doing better preaching than you are shouting. Look at James chapter 3, verse 6. The Holy Spirit, through the Word of God tonight, is painting a very real picture of how spiritual warfare works. You know, I, I know so many... Well, I don't anymore because I don't hang around them. I used to know so many spiritual spooks. What spiritual spooks? That people that's people sitting deep behind every bush, but don't know what to do about it. They got all kinds of spooky things. They thanks God when I come to California because I didn't know any other pastors' people yet. I actually met one person one time. <laughs> oh. Supposed to be a spiritual leader of this town. Told me there was a doorway to the spiritual arena right over here behind this mountain by our church by the drive-in. But what, what, I don't know what, I don't know what goofy people call those things. Anyway, stepped in this realm into the spiritual realm and she put on a jungle gym suit and went over there to do combat with evil spirits over here past my church. Yeah, I mean, she told me that herself. And she was a pastor. She hadn't. Several people went to her church too and told me she had a jungle gym suit and she went over there. That's where she did her spiritual warfare. I was over at my church over there stepping through this realm. You know, I haven't watched those, that Twilight Zone, stuff, Twilight Zone stuff for so long. What's it called? Oh Yeah, a portal. It was a portal into the realm of darkness, she called it. She stepped through the portal right over here, but she had to be dressed for it so she's put on a jungle gym suit. That's why I want to teach a congregation that God trusts me. With the Word of God, this stuff is very real. There is a spiritual realm, but we're spirits, and we have authority in the spiritual realm, the way God gave us authority. We have authority over the spirit of death. We have authority over those familiar spirits trying to come, come and try to destroy our families. We have authority over those things trying to try to try to put our little girls into sexual addiction. Try 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 to control the men with pornography. That try to control our kids, our older people, with alcohol and drugs. We've got authority over those things. Amen. James chapter 3. Uh, Pastor Dave is in James today. But I want to get down to verse 6. Because I, I want you to see this. It says, The tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body. It sets on fire the course of nature, and the tongue is set on fire of hell. Remember those fiery darts? says your tongue is set on fire from hell. See, I'm painting a real plain picture of the Word of God that you have to be willfully blinded if you don't see what's going on. says Satan has fiery darts aimed at your mind to end up in your tongue. And then it says those fiery darts, you see the fire he's talking about here? Those fiery darts get to your tongue and says those fiery darts will make your life be a life of hell. Because they come from hell. And so think about this. Your mind is Satan's target. But also your mind, God wants renewed by the word of God so you control your mind. God wants you to control your thoughts. God wants you to control your thoughts because you control your thoughts, you control your tongue. You control your tongue, you control your life. I think about a Deuteronomy where God said, I want my people to enjoy days of heaven on earth. Jesus said, I will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I like what Gloria Copeland said before. said the reason the will of God is done in heaven because there's no demonic resistance in heaven. The reason the will of God doesn't come to pass on earth like God wants it to is because we have demons down here. And people don't know what to do about it. Is this helping anybody besides me? i tell you what, I'm preaching to me. Well, I put this lesson together this morning. I thought, wow, this is helping me. I've seen battles going go on in my mind thinking, man, I need to be refreshed on this. I need to see this again, know what's really going on. Because these thoughts that hit our heads, we shouldn't allow them to stay there. You know? I quote Brother Hagin a lot, but I like the way Brother Hagin says things. When he talks about this casting down thoughts and imaginations, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, he says it's like a bird nest. He said, birds may fly over your head, but you don't have to let them build a nest and stay there. And then something that I wrote in my Bible that really helps me, and you might want to write this down, this really helps me when I'm getting ready to tell you. Thoughts may come, and they may persist in staying, But thoughts that are not put into word or action die unborn. Listen to this again. Thoughts may come. They may persist in staying. But thoughts that are not put into word or action die unborn. Number one, you don't want to speak them out. Number two, you don't want to stare them out. And you know, I'll give you an example. How many here are a man? Well, how many men, how many women and men know that men are wired different than women about how we think? And so, you know, you can be looking at something innocent on your cell phone. And all of a sudden, they got some half-naked woman pops up in a commercial on your cell phone. Well, you got a choice right then. You either keep on flipping, or you can stop and stare. Amen. You've been delivered from something. Say you've been delivered from smoking. And you're walking through the store. And you're walking past the cigarette aisle. Well, they don't have cigarette aisles anymore, do they? they got the cigarette locked up at the cash register. Don't ever go through that line at Walmart. But anyway, and all of a sudden, the thought comes. I think I'll buy a pack of those today. Well, thoughts not put into word or action, die unborn. So, what do you need to do with that thought? You say, No, in the name of Jesus, I've been delivered. I don't do that anymore. In Jesus' name, Satan, I bind you by the blood. You're not going to get on me anymore. I'm not going back there anymore. I've been delivered. I don't have to fight that again. And that's the same thing in any area of life. It might be walking down the aisle and see the wine bottle. See the booze. And then the thought comes, I think I'll get just one. It won't hurt anything. Well, if you're listening to your heart where Jesus lives at, that's not Him talking to you. You've been down that road before. You know where it ends up at. You know the problems that come with it. You know what it could do. And so when that thought comes, you just got to say, no, in Jesus' name, I reject this. It's not from God. I don't have time for that. And then you ought to just replace it with something like this. Tell you what, devil, for throwing that at me, that $12 that was going to cost me, I'm going to put it in the offering. And every time you try to get me to spend my money on your stupid stuff, I'm just going to give it to Jesus. I'll tell you what, it probably won't be long to quit trying to put that stuff on you and get tired of giving your money to God. Amen. And so anyway, James James 3.6 says, those fiery darts are aimed at your tongue. And so Jesus wants his word to control your tongue. And the devil wants stealing, killing, destroying to come out of your mouth. Now, I want to look at Philemon 6. We're just about to close, but we can't do this justice unless we go all the way through what we've got to see to be able how to win the battlefield of the mind. Say this to me. Say, I will win the battlefield in my mind. In Jesus' name. Philemon 6 says that the communication of thy faith They become effectual or effective. Here's how it works. By the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Your faith, your shield of faith, the sword of the Spirit becomes effective when you begin to acknowledge every good thing. Every good thing. Every God thing that's in you in Christ Jesus. You've got to acknowledge. And you can't acknowledge something unless you know something. You notice the word know right in the middle of acknowledge. Acknowledge. acknowledge, Agno. You've got to know. When you know from the Word of God what God says about your life, what God says about your future, what God says about your family, what God says about your health, what God says about your finances, you begin to talk about it, He says that your faith has become effective. That's the sword of the Spirit. And so what the Lord wanted me to show you this, there's so many things we can acknowledge. He specifically gave me two verses for you to begin to acknowledge about yourself. Because evidently people's having a problem with this. And so we're to acknowledge every good thing in Christ Jesus. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. There's lots of things we can look at, but we're talking about winning a battlefield in your mind. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. Acknowledging every good thing in you in Christ Jesus is a major way to win the battle. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says this, But of him are you in Christ Jesus, who has made Jesus in us from God, is made in us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. We're new creatures in Christ. Jesus is our wisdom on the inside of us. Not your college education, or not your lack of education. Your, your smarts from God Yeah, this spiritual life are not based upon how much education you've got or how much you don't have. It's based upon Jesus Christ in you. He's the one that said, let there be light. He's the one that defeated Satan. He's the one that gave you new life. And he's in you. Now I want you to look at chapter 2, verse 16. Chapter 2, verse 16. Yeah, chapter 2, verse 16. It says, for who, chapter 2, verse 6, it says, for who has known the mind of the Lord that we may instruct him? It says, but we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. Let me tell you what this means so you'll understand this in context with the whole lesson. And I surely do pray that everybody here listened tonight and took good notes, especially if you've been mind-battled in the emotional-mental arena. I started this off by saying we're a spirit being. We possess a soul. We live in a physical body. Well, you've got your mind that's part of your physical man. Then you've got your mind that's your spiritual mind. The mind of Christ is to dominate our natural mind. There's so many things that natural human reason tells us is impossible. But the mind of Christ tells us all things are possible with God. God, through us, changes the possible situations with the lady last year my lady cancer doctor told me your body's rejected everything now your veins are blowing up you can't, your body won't take any more chemical we're not done but you're done because we can't do any more well the mind of christ said on the inside of me to my natural mind the medical doctor said we can't give you any more but you need a lot more The inside of me, my mind of Christ spoke my natural mind and said, well, God will finish then. It took over. The mind of Christ in you always says, I know what to do. Here's what God told me to tell you. Quit saying, I'm stupid. I'm dumb. I'm an idiot. I can't do anything right. I'm not smart enough. I don't know enough. I'm stupid. Well... With your head, maybe you are stupid. With your head, maybe you are ignorant. But in your spirit where Jesus lives, you have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. God will put you in the front of the line. God will promote you over those other people. God will open doors for you that nobody can shut. God will shut doors that nobody can open. God will cause things to happen for you but God only needs one thing out of you. You control your mind. You control what you think on. You control what comes out of your mouth. As long as you say what God says about what you're faced in life, God's going to do what He said to do for your life. When you say, I can do all things through Christ what strengthens me, then God will make sure you got the strength that you do all things through Christ will strengthen you. When you say, my God supplies all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, God supplies all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Amen. When you say, I bind the devil in the name of Jesus off my family, then the devil's bound off your family. When you say, I'm delivered from that addiction, you're delivered from that addiction. You have the mind of Christ. The battle is in the mind. That's how you win the battle of the mind. You start controlling what you think, and that'll control what you say, and you have what you say. Amen. Let's stand up.